welcome to Diverse Joy, a podcast where two experts put the joy back into diversity conversations. My co-host is the amazing and fun Dr. Will Cox. And my co-host is the effulgent and fantastic Dr. Amber (laughs) Nelson. And we're very excited today to invite my dear friend as a guest on the podcast, Sandy Eichel. Sandy uses they, them pronouns, and they're an international speaker, DEI consultant, and wealth management advisor. Welcome to the show. Sandy, let us know what's bringing you joy today. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Being here brings me joy. Um, but also, my I have a nonprofit, nonprofit initiative called Joyful Futures Through Music in Madison that works with underprivileged kids in the public schools. And we do a musical each year. And tonight is their opening performance of The Lion King. So I'm super excited. They're super excited. Um, and it's going to be a very joyful thing. Oh, awesome. that's amazing. That's amazing. I love that. I love that. The Lion King is the best. Yeah. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong with Lion King. I love that. I love that. Well, and for me, I um my I have a similar, I work with um some youth as well. So it's called For Us by Us uh, Newberg. So it's Fubu Newberg, which you know it's it's a small, <laughs> it's a very small nonprofit. There's a very few youth, so we're hoping it's okay, but that's what we call it. You you just love acronyms <laughs> that might get you sued. I know, I like, totally do. Like we like uh, Sandy, so on the show we like to talk about DEI work as Jedi work, justice, yeah, equity, justice. diversity. Yeah. And inclusion. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Disney's coming after Disney. us for that. Fubu's coming <laughs> after you for this. <laughs> <We're using Fubu's. laughs> but uh, we just started calling it because it was it's part of like the core of how we understand what we're doing. It's yeah. for black people, by black people, especially, especially centering black youth. Um, and so we just started calling it Fubu and it's stuck, and we're like, well. We're gonna go with it. We're going with it. Um, but my my youth um, definitely bring me so much joy, and um, we we just do a lot of stuff, and we center the joy. Of course, it's a space where we can like talk about the hard things about what it means to be black, what it means to be black in rural spaces and rural Oregon. Um, but the biggest part about it is centering, centering joy yeah. and centering yeah, yeah. like black joy. And what does it mean to like be in black spaces together and go and watch movies? Like we're really excited to, to go um, see Little Mermaid. Yes. And, and we're going to take them all. We went and saw Wakanda forever. And so um, just doing things together and also celebrating what it means to be black and what, what black represents presentation looks like so yeah yeah, awesome yeah yeah yeah. and well how about you what's bringing you joy oh well you know i don't have any work with kids (laughs) i can bring in but uh uh, it's bringing me joy making this podcast i can i can second that uh but uh so so this episode's coming out in july Mm. and uh one of the things that brings me the most joy in summer is my garden uh so uh i have a huge garden out back maybe we can toss some pictures on the the video recording of this (laughs) uh but lots of flowers are coming up and uh, it just makes me happy every morning. I take a little walk around my garden and just see mm-hmm. which new things are popping out of the ground. And that that's one of the main things in my life that brings me joy. And you are an amazing gardener. Oh, you really thank are. Thank you. I love, yeah. I love I love new blooms. They just don't agree with my sinuses. <laughs> 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 Understand. And, and I always like forget that I have allergies until <laughs> I'm hit with them. And I'm like, am I sick? Oh no, no, it's allergies. It's like every year I'm bamboozled. <laughs> Like, how am I sick? Oh, right. It's allergies, right? I forgot. <laughs> forgot. 
<laughs> well, we'll be careful. If we go out in the garden to take pictures, we'll... Don't stick your nose right in the yes. flower. Yeah, yeah, yeah trying to <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as always, wonderful hearing what's bringing us all joy. Uh, so our topic today, I was really excited to bring Sandy and also talk to you, Amber, about this, because this is something that both of you really have inspired me about. Um, and that's... that's uh, really talking about diverse ideas of professionalism. So in so many workplaces and professional settings, there's kind of this strict, somewhat restrictive idea of what appropriate dress is, what appropriate presentation is. And I always found that to be, be one particularly oppressive thing that I never quite fit with. Like I'm, I'm an exuberant <laughs> um, kind of person mm -hmm. and and tend to, to lean naturally towards that sort of dress, but then it never seemed to fit in, in professional spaces. But um, through getting to know Sam, Sandy uh, over many years. Sandy uh, has inspired me a lot to, to really break out of that. And then meeting you, Amber, the same thing. Uh, you both tend to have a very fabulous, individualistic, uh, joyful way of dressing and doing it in professional spaces. Um, and so our general topic, I, I kind of want to sit here and continue learning from both of you how you think about that kind of stuff, um, how ideas of professionalism can sometimes exacerbate marginalization, especially yeah. for historically stigmatized group members. And, yeah. and let's just talk about it. what does it even mean to be professional? Yeah, well, I'm glad to start. I mean, I think that professionalism has been, you know, the rules of all of that have been written by the keepers of the keys, which are traditionally older white guys. Um, and, and they're writing those rules because they're the ones that are in power and it to try to keep kind of try to keep everybody in line. And yet they want employees that have independent thought and that are creative and that innovate, but they don't want to create the environment that allows them to be who they are, which is sort of this, uh, you know, juxtaposition of two things that it's never going to happen. Um, and also, you know, I hear all the time in workplaces, we want to be inclusive, but we really want people to fall in line to what we think they should be able to be creative. And we, and, and when I say, when they say inclusive, I translate that to safe. We right. want diverse people to right. feel safe here, but we're not willing to mm. understand mm. how mm -hmm. this traditional quote unquote professionalism really stifles not only their creativity and their innovation, but their safety. And so that's one of the things that, you know, that that I'm always kind of fighting for and and trying to ask questions about. And I often start out, and, and this is part of my my own story, is starting out by asking them, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? And how do you think the things that you're doing now are going to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's through that conversation that they can, then they can realize, you know, what it is that they're doing is never going to lead to the results that they say that they want. And sometimes when there's pushback and they, you know, I can say, well, you know, your, your lips are saying one thing, right. no. but your actions are saying another, and you may not really want to have an inclusive environment. And so you need to, to look at that a little right. bit. And I mean, closer. wanting everyone to be the same, whether it's dressed the same or whatever, right. That's the antithesis of diversity, <laughs> Correct, right? Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you you can't create an environment that 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 you have to create an environment, I should say, that that creates safety for authenticity. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things that when I came into more of the traditional workplace, after I went through a whole transformation of myself and finding out who I really am, truly as a queer person, as as all of these things. Um, I came into this traditional, uh, you know, white male, cis, mm. het, 
mm-hmm. conservative environment of mm-hmm. financial services mm-hmm. where they were they were not ready for me, <laughs> but I was the baby deliver on their doorstep they never wanted or thought they needed. I don't think anyone's ever quite ready for it. <laughs> Just having well, known you for many years. That's good. I like to keep people on their toes. Keep them on their toes. Keep them yeah, on their toes. But Andy. you know, but I really pushed, I really pushed against that. And and I said, you know, you want me to be successful and you're saying all of these things that you, you know, that you want me to to be to be who I am and truly connect with people, but you don't want to encourage me to be my authentic self, right. which the, you know, which is that's not going to happen. And going into what I call like the spirit of the rules, you know. Mm-hmm. So so I walk in as a as a what I'm told is an obviously diverse person. That's right. maybe one of my favorite things people have called me. Not wow. wow. Um, we have these people, and then you're obviously Are diverse. You <laughs> obviously, you're obviously not one of us. Exactly, exactly. Like wow, in group, out group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I said, well. And what you're wearing is it's just not appropriate. Mm. That was that was the yeah. the words yeah. that were used. Yeah. It's not appropriate for this industry. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, my practice centers around social justice. My right. practice is I look at myself as an anti-capitalist wealth management advisor. Right. It's the system we have and it's crushing and brutal to right. people, but it's a system we have and we have to work within it, Absolutely. right? So if I'm working with my people mm. and you're telling me that I have to look mm. like you and that's not who I am mm. and that's not who my people are, mm. well then this is, you know, this is the antithesis of you're not allowing me to right. even succeed. Right. And so there's like, well, we have rules, you know, to keep people from wearing inappropriate things to work or to be unprofessional. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Amber and I had a conversation before this podcast of like people are professionals, not clothes, clothes, you know, and we're not showing Mm -hmm. up in ripped, shredded clothes. We're not showing up with, you know, with things smeared all over our face or we're we're dirty or whatever. (laughs) Profane Um, language. Yes. I don't have like, you know, the F word. um, Sometimes I wanted to go into right. the work with the upward <laughs> on my chest. But um but I didn't right. but I'm like what is it that you're trying to look at when you're you know obvi- I have brightly vividly dyed colored hair mm-hmm. and that is a part of my expression yeah. and probably always will be. Yeah. I will be like a granny with like brightly colored hair. <laughs> As you should and, be. And right. And and they would say well that's you know that's not professional. I'm right. like why? Why? And and exactly. you know why is that not professional? Yeah. Why is it that I have to be in this in this const- why are you trying to stuff me into this navy blue exactly. suit right. that is not me? Right. And it it respects no other cultures. Absolutely. I think that's the thing. It respects no other diverse communities right. when we think about what is professionalism, this right. drabness, right. this sort of like cog in the wheel yeah. part of capitalism of mm-hmm. like everybody fall in line and everyone mm-hmm. wear this kind of mm-hmm. uniform that's not a uniform, you know, right. and I, I, I've often said, like, if you want people to wear a uniform, then you have to pay for it. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah and, absolutely. and, and yet, you know, uh, I fought against that way. So I started it from a place of, of asking questions yeah. of curiosity yeah. to, to do that. Yeah. Um, and it was a battle. Yeah. It was a battle, but you know, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. There's, I'm going to mess up this quote. So when we on our break, I'll come back with it. But um, uh, one of the the authors that I really like to um, read, she has this quote about um, 
that whiteness as like a construct, right? And especially professional spaces. Um, and she centers blackness in, in, in her book, but she says it wants blackness um, for the sake of black, but they don't want to be challenged by hearing the lyrics of Strange Fruit. They want to be inspired Ooh, by right. the I have a dream, but won't sit with the realities of what it means to have black people right. in your space, yeah. right? And I think about that from when it comes to like our expression of professionalism, right? Again, comes back to like, oh yeah, we want you here, but we want you, to, we want you to look and sound like us on our terms, on our yeah. terms, yeah. exactly. And and goes back to like, who decides what is and isn't professional? Yep. Who decides what is and isn't appropriate right yep. now i recognize like i'm somebody as a as a psychologist i've worked in hospital systems and there's things like that they're like okay so while i would wear a crop top and feel totally fine with that being appropriate and in a hospital setting like we're not allowed to show our bellies because like there's there are health codes right. and all those things right. of things there's clothes toes, shoes like i understand those things from a safety perspective right right and when it comes to whether or not I'm wearing a head wrap or whether or not I have straightened my hair. So that's yeah. one, especially for black folks yeah. and black women. Um, but so like wearing um, dreadlocks in our hair, which is a natural, something that's very spiritual for yeah. many black folks to wear your hair in locks and then being called messy or unprofessional because yeah. you're wearing locks. And my brother actually just recently started his lock journey. Um, so he's had them just under a year now. Um, but that his kind of working through, okay, like shifting perceptions of him and yeah. how you navigate these spaces because all of a sudden you have dreadlocks and now you're um, quote unquote unprofessional, right? right? Or that I'm more professional when I straighten my naturally right. curly hair, right? right? And that those are the conventions. Well, where did those conventions come from? Yeah. Well, they're centered again in cishet white yeah. <laughs> spaces. And it is about professionalism to me is about the person, yep. right? It's about what if, if, and as a psychologist, again, um, if I'm doing something that is, or wearing something that might get in the way of my, my work yes. or my client being able to receive from me, right. then it's um, unprofessional. Uh, yeah. But my ability to be professional wearing, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I have this massive holiday sweater collection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like I wear one every single day from Thanksgiving to like New Year's Eve. <laughs> um, and, you know, if I'm wearing a holiday sweater that is big and bold and sparkly and kitschy and all of the things, does that actually stop me from being professional and being yeah. able to do my job well? No. And yet there was there have been some spaces that I've been in that have told me I shouldn't wear those things because it's unprofessional. Yeah. And in reality, like you were saying, that some of those things that I wear or that I do facilitate my work with my people. Yes, exactly. I am a pediatric psychologist, so I work with kids across the spectrum from like birth to 25. I'm a faculty, I'm a teacher, and so my students, like these are things that I do that one, our expression of me yeah. allows me to show up authentically in my space, which Correct. then facilitates my relationship with the person, the people that I'm working Correct. with, right? Yes. And again, if I'm wearing something that, that, 
creates a barrier for somebody yeah. to to interact with me as far as like, again, maybe something that's offensive yeah. or something like that. That's a different conversation. Correct. But me being colorful, me wearing my head wrap, me wearing yeah. my natural hair, me wearing, you know, again, a, a holiday sweater does not change how professional I am or my ability to do my job yeah. or impact. And, and again, in, in fact, it in facilitates oftentimes yes. my relationship and my ability to do my, my work well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also we think of diversity as always being obvious and visual and it's not. We know right. a lot of diversity is invisible. Absolutely. And when people that we're working with in any capacity see someone who, yeah. is, who is standing and working in their yeah. authenticity, Absolutely. it encourages them to be authentic as well. Absolutely. And it really, it creates connection. It creates yes. safety. Yes. I mean, I can't tell you how many you know white guys have said right. to me like, oh, I wish I could wear something like that. Right. And I'm and like, like, wear do it. it. Do, like, it. do it. it. Yes. It creates yeah. joy. Which it, is yes. what we right. want to talk exactly. about, right? right yeah. It's sartorial joy, Absolutely. joy to do with clothing. And yeah. that's so much what I see in both of you yeah. every single time I see you. <laughs> and, and, I, and I love it. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you wear something that makes you feel joyful, mm -hmm. you're, well, you're more joyful, yeah. obviously, yeah. but yeah. also you're better at your work. You're yes. more engaged. Yeah. You're having a, a, a nice time. Right. And, and frankly, if... Uh, I, both of you were wearing just kind of regular blue suits and white <laughs> shirts. You know, I probably wouldn't want to work with Sandy right, as a financial right, advisor. Probably wouldn't right. want Amber as my therapist. I like I would say, I don't either. think this person would get me. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't think this person would get me. Or right, like right. I would feel safer in a space right. where people are dressed for joy. Right. <laughs> I get I get accused of being an art teacher a lot when I'm going to conferences that <laughs> are not like industry compliments. Right. Right. I like I'm I an elementary it. school teacher all the time. <laughs> They're like, are you That's an right. elementary school teacher? I'm like, I am a teacher, but I teach doctoral level students. I, I love that when people are like, uh, you know, I'll be at a non-industry specific yeah. thing and they'll be like, oh, are you an art teacher? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes I love that. <laughs> I'm not, but thank you. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, awesome. I think it's, it's, it's so important to have to 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 be authentic in all of your spaces. Yep. We I think again from a clinical from a clinical standpoint, we live in a society that tells us that we have to look a certain way, we have to act a certain way, have to be a certain way. Um and to um uh <laughs> compartmentalize. I was going to say segregate, which is the same thing, but and then <laughs> yeah. compartmentalize parts of ourselves, right? Yeah. Like this is my professional self. This yep. is my personal self. Yep. This is this self. Um, but it really creates a lot of problems for folks. Yeah, um, splitting. It's, it, yeah. Absolutely. And especially those that are part of marginalized communities. Yep. It makes it incredibly hard. Like I've seen time and time again, even in my work as a clinical psychologist and in training future psychologists, that those that have been um, taught uh, to segregate or to compartmentalize their culture from their professional self, when they go out and like, okay, once I'm done, once I'm done with all my training, I can do whatever I want, I can reintegrate. And they're not able to. And yeah. there's this disintegration of self yeah. when we're not able to be wholly uh, ourselves in all of our spaces. Yeah. And of course, it's going to look a little bit different um, in, in each space. But if you can find the way to 
be wholly integrated, fully authentic in all your spaces, you are going to have better life outcomes. Yes. You're going to have better work, life work balance. You're yeah. going to have better just, again, joy, all of those things. And we want it to be a reflection. You, you need to be a reflection of you in all of your spaces, even if it's a, even if it's a, a, a slightly shifted, but still authentically you Absolutely. version. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was, I was saying earlier, you know, I had, um, we had some training folks that would tell our, tell our students that like when you're going to interviews, you must wear a black suit with a white shirt and I was like as somebody who would interview folks for like internship and postdoc I was like please dear god do not wear a black suit with a white shirt because everybody wears a black suit with a white shirt and you're just gonna you're gonna be in a mass of everybody else um and it's also not a reflection of you and so I had a I had a student once who was amazing and wrote these beautiful essays. So you have to write like a series of essays for for our internship process. And, you know, he quoted like RuPaul and was like just beautiful and colorful and 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 I was like if you show up you they they invite you based on these app like this application yeah. of how you're describing yourself this person also was a drag queen like yeah. all of these things and then you show up in a black suit and a white shirt they're gonna be <laughs> like who the hell is this? Like, right. who are you? Right. And who, where did this person that we invited, yeah. where did they come from? And so we had this conversation about like, what does it look like to be in a, in a quote unquote hyper-professional space when you're like applying for a job and an internship and things like that in an authentic way. And yeah. he was able to find that like, you know, he ended up wearing like light pink nail polish. Like it was like just off nude, you know, he's like, right. so I still found that. And, you know, sh shifted the color of his suit and like wore like matching like the got a custom tie and like yeah. the the pocket square right. and like business cards that all match and he was like oh my gosh this just feels like yes yeah. I'm still quote unquote in a suit and tie and all those things but it's a reflection it's still a reflection of me yeah it doesn't have to be yeah. this like idea ideal quote unquote professionalism whatever yeah. that might be and if he hadn't done that mm -hmm. if he had done the plain black suit and right. white shirt and then he needed to do that to get whatever position he was applying right. for well then they he got the position not being himself exactly. so how, how is he going to yeah. be himself exactly. later exactly. how yes. you know if, yes. if you have to conform, be the nail that gets nailed in or right, whatever. Right, right. You know, if that's the only way you get in the door, how right. are you ever going to be happy? Exactly. How are you ever going to express right. your joy exactly. and be yourself there? Yeah. And the statistics support authenticity. Absolutely. So that's one of the other things that's great since I work in a world of numbers and I right. often work with, with conservative male dominated industries like financial services, the statistics show us that people who are more authentic and workplaces that are more authentic are more productive Absolutely. and are more yep. successful. Yep. So it's like, you know, if you're saying that you want these things, but you're not willing to change these things, then I, well, then I guess you just don't want to be successful. Exactly. Because, right. and you don't right. want your people to be successful. And, and also the younger generations, Oh yeah, they are not trying. They're not. With us. They, are they are not, not having it. They are not having it. it. Whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not. I mean, you know. And again, I even think back to like not that long ago, and I still have supervisors and folks in in the field that are like tattoos like visible tattoos are unprofessional and yeah. this one I'm like you're gonna have to get over that like yeah. Yeah. millennials are tattooed like you're not gonna have yeah like <laughs> you're like you're gonna have to get over that because right. again it's it's it has nothing to do with one's ability to do their right to do their job yeah 
Awesome. Well, thank you both so much. So we're going to take a break now and then okay. we'll come back with some story time and learning some skills as Beautiful. we always do. Uh, and uh, we'll see you all in just a moment. Okay. Great. All right, welcome back from our little break. Um, and I actually wanted to start as I was talking about a quote earlier, and I wanted to get it right. Um, and, uh, you know, first of all, it is um, Austin Channing Brown, and the book is called um, um, I'm Still Here. And I really like it because it's talking about, again, whiteness um, as a construct, right? Um, and so she says... Uh, sorry, where is it? Okay. Whiteness constantly polices the expressions of blackness allowed within its walls, attempting to accrue no more than what's necessary to affirm itself. It wants us to sing the celebratory We Shall Overcome during MLK Day, but doesn't want to hear the indicting lyrics of Strange Fruit. It wants to see a black person seated at the table, but doesn't want to hear a dissenting viewpoint. It wants to pat itself on the back for helping poor Black folks through missions or urban projects, but has no interest in learning from Black people's wisdom, talent, and spiritual depth. Whiteness wants enough Blackness to affirm the goodness of whiteness, the progressiveness of whiteness, the open-heartedness of whiteness. Whiteness likes a trickle of Blackness, but only that which can be controlled. Mm. Powerful, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and I, again, in this conversation around professionalism and thinking about like whiteness as a construct in majority culture, the, yep. that which is what controls the establishment, yep. and blackness as that which is not <laughs> not yes. the yes. the system. Um, what it, that looks like, that invitation, but not wanting to actually share what the purpose of you inviting you to the table is. Right. Right. And the, the core idea, so easy to extend to queerness. Yeah. Absolutely. Any, all these forms of diverse joy right. we're talking about, that, right. you know, the idea of an establishment of a certain way of doing things that yep. hasn't had diverse voices absolutely. Uh, doesn't always want to invite them in. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me um, get that quote right because oh, I think yeah. it's it's a fantastic quote. It's Absolutely. a great book. Um, but uh, we also have this part of our 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 podcast that is story time, and yeah. we were talking a little bit about that. Um, so, Sandy. I know you have a couple stories for yes, us. Yes, I do. Yeah. And I we always do. do a negative story and a positive story to get to, to mm -hmm. the joyful full part. So, okay. so take it away. Yeah. So my story it involves the outfit that I'm wearing today, mm -hmm. um, which I love and still do. And it Which was, you can see on the video podcast. Yeah. Yes. For those of you who are listening, <laughs> you can check that out uh, if you mm -hmm. want to get a glimpse of Sandy's fabulous Amazing. outfit. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and colorful and expressive <laughs> outfit. Yes. Um, and I was at a, a specifically financial advisor conference, a professional situation, and it was sort of a round table discussion about things that were, you know, analytics and things like that. And uh, one of my colleagues who actually knew me fairly well said, I hope that eventually Sandy gets successful enough to stop shopping at Goodwill in oh. reference to what I'm wearing. And I, I mean, I obviously was really offended on several levels. First of all, there is nothing wrong with shopping at Goodwill. Yes, okay. Because exactly. I truly believe in, you know, all the, much of the stuff that we need is already yeah. out there Absolutely. and sustainability. We can, mm -hmm. you know, we can just find things as this outfit is mostly sourced from, you know, already produced goods. 
But also, you know, I grew up with a single mom that mm. was on food stamps. So the mm. fact that that was like a, a shame that I grew up with anyway of being yeah. poor and that in this professional context, mm-hmm. in embarrassing me and, and overtly so right. in front of other people to belittle me. Yeah. And it was and it came at a time when I was. Um, starting to show my success. Mm. And so that success as my authentic self was looked at as a threat. And so that was a, that was an opportunity that this person took to try to tamp me down, but he had no idea. (laughs) Unleash the beast. I was like, Oh really? Well, if you like this, then you're going to love what's coming next. Right. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Unleash the queer fire. And he was in a position of authority authority over me. So that was, you know, that was another interesting thing. I did point it out to him and we had a conversation about it that was eh, not really productive. Um, But I, you know, but I was, that was not a positive experience. And I felt, um, you know, very, very shamed. Shamed, Yeah. Yeah, So, so yeah, that stinks. But you know, the, the other side of that is that Um, you know, I am able to show up in my work every day as who I am and work with, I am so, so very grateful and lucky to work with all of these wonderful, beautiful people all over the country and the world that are from diverse communities. Mm. And, um, I had met with someone, you know, several years ago who had a lot of, um, just, shame and Mm. fear Mm. and all of this, uh, you know, sort of junk Mm -hmm. around pain, around money and financial things. And they had, they were, you know, from my community, the trans community, and they had said, you know, I never thought that I was going to be able to um, make it to age 30, much less now I'm, I'm successful. And so now I don't know, I don't know what I don't, I've never even thought about what retirement looks like because I never thought I would make it there. And now I really need to plan for it, but I'm so scared. And, and, you know, we met and, and worked together and they said, you know, you make me feel so safe from the moment Mm -hmm. that I saw you, Mm -hmm. I felt Mm -hmm. that safety and that has allowed me to change Mm -hmm. my life and the way I look at myself Mm -hmm. and seeing you as a professional in this very conservative industry, um, which they were as well. So, yeah, so that, that's That's a really positive experience too. And that's, you know, that's what we're all here for, right? We're here on this planet, especially as diverse people, not only to be joyful, to make connections, Absolutely. to to encourage each other and yep. and love each other and create that space and that joy so yeah, yeah. oh that's amazing i love that yeah. i love that that's so good yeah and with all these conversations especially with today's topic i want to invite all the listeners to kind of take a moment step back rethink mm-hmm. what professional means mm-hmm. uh, what it has to look like and i would love if everyone had a story like that where it was like you being your own authentic self made someone else feel safe made yeah. someone else uh make progress on some issue yeah. they were working on whether it's their financial planning, their mm-hmm. their mental health, as, mm-hmm. as Amber does, mm-hmm. or or working on diversity issues. As, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, as we all do, as but all as do, yeah. is my main thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so take it take a moment, think about yeah. that, folks. Yeah, yeah. What is it? What does it mean to you know the term I often use is you know decolonizing, right? Yes. It's like that that centering of the system is is goes all the way back to colonization and imperialism and how do we now like reclaim that which was lost yes. right and these ver- the variety of expressions and yeah. whether that's specific culture right but being able to wear 
cultural garb as part yeah. of our professional identity or again colorful expressions and personal right. personality and um and just kind of decentering and decolonizing our understanding of what is yes. professionalism and and again showing up in our spaces fully ourselves yeah yeah Amen. yeah and you know and uh, part of what we do in the podcast is bringing in well Two, two parts, but first is questions from yeah. the audience. So, Will, what is our question for yeah. today? So, um, this is going to be the second episode yes. that airs. <laughs> so, we're still early on and don't have true audience, <laughs> audience questions. questions. <laughs> However, we had a battery of questions that my wonderful research assistants at UW Madison uh, compiled, but before I uh, closed down my lab there. Uh, Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all. You're the best. Um, and and for this this question, I, I want to, especially since we had Sandy here to, to ask this question, but then I also want uh, everyone's opinions mm -hmm. on it. So um, in workplaces that aren't talking about bias and diversity, how do you start having that conversation? This is something that um, I've I've advised some people on when I, I come in as an outside speaker, uh, but usually by the time I'm coming in, the conversation's already started, started because yeah, that's what led yeah, them yeah, yeah. to, to <laughs> me coming in, to yeah. give a training. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know that that each of you have, have some experience with this. So if if you don't mind, Sandy, what Yeah, what do you absolutely. Think? I definitely have experience with this since I came into a situation where they had not yet um, started any diversity mm. and inclusion in their workplace. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> I clasped my pearls and gasped deeply. And, and it was clear to me that that was the case because yeah. of, of the discrimination that I was facing on yeah. a regular basis. Yeah. So I went to the person that was in leadership in that situation and said, so, you know, it started out with curiosity. And I think that this is really an important part for all of us to remember when we're, I mean, not just in working work environments and inclusion environments, but in our lives in general, mm -hmm. in our relationships, starting with yeah. curiosity yes. um, as opposed to judgment, because yeah. I personally cannot change anyone's mind. I'm not going to change their values. Right. Um, I can only help understand what their values are. And mm -hmm. if their values are something different than their actions, help them align with those. Yeah. So I asked the question of like, what, what are you looking for in a, in a workplace environment? Do you want people such mm -hmm. as myself in this environment, mm -hmm. because it, you know, because that's a really valid question. Right. Even though I was yep. brought on, it doesn't mean that that that's that I'm wanting. They didn't know right? what they were getting necessarily. Yeah, they sure didn't. <laughs> they often like, don't. They yeah. often don't know what they're asking for. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you know, and and they were saying, oh yes, definitely want you know, definitely want you to he hear. And I said, well, okay. So do you want more of me, or you know, mm -hmm. or people that are diverse, or what? What's your vision? You know. Mm -hmm. And so asking questions, this person in leadership expressed, you know, said all the right things. Right. And mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, you know, the issue is, is that this situation is not conducive yeah. to the things that you say that you want. Yep. And it, and it, and it sounds like, and I might be wrong, but it sounds like you don't know where to start. Yeah. And that might be an issue for you. Is that the case? Yeah. And so that you're like bringing it around that it's not, um, it's not, you know, I, I can't be the angry lesbian, right. right or right. the angry black angry woman, black or, woman. Or, right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like, so mm -hmm. I, you know, but all also, it doesn't work. So it, yep. asking this in more of a consultant situation yeah. and working and starting to work from there was 
the key really. And I mean, I had a lot of people in that environment that told me that, oh, Sandy, you're the first queer person that Mm -hmm. I've known. And I'm like, that's not true. I'm like, first of all, (laughs) all, I mean, as I said, like, first of all, like, oh, I I think I asked him the question, were "Were you in a fraternity? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. Uh, All that naked paddling. All right. We're just going to move on. This podcast is turning blue. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, you know, it's like, yes, we've always been here, but the fact that you've surrounded yourself by mm. with so many people that are exactly, exactly like, like you, you. Yeah. really yeah. explains a lot about the the situation that you're in right. and that you're having a problem with growth because right. you're, you know, yeah. stuck in this yeah. uh, this pattern that won't. So Absolutely. I think, you know, to start those things, yep. um that's that's the way that I started it, yep. but I think it's really important for people because I get this question all over yep. the country about this of like I'm in this environment that is oppressive. What yep. do I do? Yeah. And I think it's important to go to the people that are supposed to be the ones that report that if there yep. is, if there's an HR department yep. where I was working, there was no HR. <laughs> mm. Isn't that fun? Um, mm. But you know, going to the person that's, that's in charge of HR and just saying like, there are problems. Yeah. I need to know kind of how I how can, do I do this? how do I navigate this? Yep. And I want to I need some support. I need exactly. Yep. I need some support because yep. this is, this is not, you know, this yep. is not supporting me. This Absolutely. is, this is oppression. Yeah. And you know, and yeah. I don't care if it's the way you've done it before. Right. It still is oppression. Exactly. And that takes a lot of energy for someone to come out with that too, yeah. um, to do that. And if you can advocate for yourself, find allies around you if you are able to yeah. that can be there with you in that yeah. journey because it helps to have a colleague that can Absolutely. be there and and listen and also yeah. advocate for you. And, and that's, that's also a really uh, important point because so often – it is the more marginalized people who end up having to do the work and Correct. starting the conversation. Yes. Right. And, you know, for many of us, you know, we take that on. That's what all mm-hmm. three, yes. three of us do. But I always like to say, you know, it doesn't have to be your responsibility. Right. Right. If you're yep. a person who is right. marginalized or victimized yep. by, by, by a system, you don't necessarily have to be the one to fix it. Absolutely. I want to motivate and encourage everyone to do that work. Exactly. Right. But I also don't want to make that the extra burden on the person already. Burdened. Absolutely. So Correct. for anyone yeah. out there, you know, do what you need to do to have your wellness, to be mm-hmm. safe, yeah. to mm-hmm. make sure you have your job and financial security yep. and all of that. And hopefully there is space and there are these resources for you to take on this, these these battles. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, yeah, and so to... Amber, I, oh, I was, I was no, going to say, you yeah. want to add anything to this before we yeah. go on? Well, uh, lots of pieces, but, it, you know, absolutely finding somebody who can also come alongside you and maybe even use their power, right? To mm. like speak up and lend their voice to the situation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of the literature will show that like the way in order to get some of these messages across is to have a person in power and a marginalized person mm-hmm. <laughs> delivering the message, right? Yeah. So that folks can kind of see the full picture, understand yes. it well. And so finding somebody that can pa- partner with you in that and support that, getting the system, like saying like, hey, this is a problem. Um, but I, I, I appreciate you talking about like going to HR, going to these places, because I think, um, you know, I have... I've been both within systems and as a consultant in systems. And as a consultant in systems, it's a much easier space for me to come in and hold that space and talk about it, use my identity. But when I'm having to do it from within, it takes so much more work and navigating and holding like, okay, how do I like do this in a balanced way that I can keep my job and then my boss doesn't get... (laughs) pissed off at me and like you know all of these things like how do I hold this Um, and and I think for me I always come back to it has to first 
be built in a relationship. Yeah. Um, because when you have relationships, um, like you're they're gonna hear it better. Um, and once you have a relationship, you can also use personal experience because yeah. then it's then it has a face, right? Yeah. Like, here's a specific, like I, I understand, I know you've been working on diversity, or like I think I know this is you think that you're doing it well, right? right. And I might not use that language, but like here are some of the pitfalls, here are the some of the things yeah. that I personally have experienced. Here's an example of one of the yeah. things. I'm wondering how can we how can we shift this? I have right. some thoughts, but I'd love for us to have a conversation about it. Yeah. But building it on first that relationship, yes. bringing in personal experience as one feels comfortable and and using that, I think really helps, especially when you're within the system. Yeah. You know, Agreed. versus like if you're able to bring in an outside consultant that can help facilitate that conversation, that really helps jumpstart things. Yes. But if you have to do it while you're in it, like how to manage that, I think is best done through relationship. Yeah. And you also mentioned, you know, again, kind of essentially with, uh, something that we talked about in the last episode, which is motivation. And I was talking about grounding it in your values, right? And yeah. you're saying like, what is it that you want yeah. this space yep. to look like? What do you really care about here? And is the way that you're doing it, like, is it working for you? <laughs> like, how, how's that going for you, right? <laughs> like, it's a, that's a therapist thing. Ask, so like, and how's that working for you? Right? answer. Right. Right. Like, right. I would be sitting here right. if it were going well. Exactly, exactly. And so kind of like bringing it, looping it back in, yeah. into what is the value of the system? What do they care about? And how, and the motivations for the change. Like, oh, yeah. you're right. Like we're bringing you in because we're we're not meeting our goals, we're not hitting right. our values. So grounding the the behavioral change in that motivation and value, I think, right. is is huge. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And speaking of kind of those skills pieces, well, what is our what is our bias habit breaking skill today? <laughs> All right. So I thought today would be a perfect time to talk about something that, that I, I like to call norm enforcement. Yeah. So out in the world, uh, you know, we have all these stereotypes that guide our expectations about what members of different groups are going to be like. Uh, but very often in everyday life, what they end up becoming is they, they become norms. So we right. tend to think people should behave the way our stereotypes say. So this right. is the idea that we, we think women should be very loving and nurturing mm. and maybe more focused on home and family and not right. as assertive in the workforce. Or the idea that men should be very physically strong, not prone to having a lot of emotions or crying right. or being sensitive. Uh, the idea that, you know, black people should be amazing singers like right. we talked about right. last time right. or basketball players or whatever. It becomes these shoulds. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. And and what ends up happening is, you know, when we have norms, you know, sometimes they're tacit. They're, they're not necessarily, we're not explicitly thinking the norm in this workplace mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. <laughs> XYZ, mm -hmm. although sometimes it is like with these suits and right. professional attire right. we've been talking about. But what happens is when someone violates a norm, they don't live up to that normative expectation, your brain kind of has a negative reaction to it. It right. kind of, it yeah. irritates and agitates you, yep. Yep. even when maybe your values say something different. So, yeah. so even me who I, you know, love, uh, and, and support women in every <laughs> aspect. Every once in a while, the natural kind of feeling when, when a woman right. violates maybe a gender norm, I'm going to mm -hmm. have a little bit of that feeling. It's, yeah. right. it's a function of how your brain works, right. not a function of who you are as a person, what your values say. Right. And so part of overcoming that is learning to recognize that kind of feeling. So understanding that, you know, if there's a woman who's maybe not as loving and nurturing, that's just not her kind of emotional focus. She's more right. assertive in the workforce. It rubs people the wrong way. They right. get aggravated right. and they'll do things to kind of push her to 
form. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And the professional clothes stuff we've been talking about just right. fits right into that. Yep. The norm is we all wear suits. Right. Nancy, or oops, excuse me, <laughs> I'm thinking of Sandy's uh, wife, uh, who's Nancy, and she is amazing. But when Sandy comes into a, a place where the norm says mm-hmm. we're all wearing suits, then then black like, suits like and their story, <laughs> exactly their story. Oh, the person kind of put Sandy down, right. um, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's a, a function of this. So yeah. norm enforcement when people violate the norms yeah. gives you that irritated feeling, and we yeah. want to learn to start recognizing that for what it is. Right. And what I what I encourage a lot of people to do is when you have that irritated feeling, rather mm-hmm. than letting it be directed at the person, right. start directing it at the norm. I don't like that right. that norm's there. I don't yeah. like this norm yeah. that says yeah. all men have to behave this way right. or all black people have to be this yes. way. I don't like the norm. So get that kind of irritated yeah. feeling redirected at something that actually uh, deserves it <laughs> right. rather than a person who's just living their life, feeling right. their joy, Absolutely. being themselves. Right. Yeah. yeah, that societal norm. Right. Is, uh, the societal uh, programming is what I want to say. Right. The societal yeah. programming is what when I when people bristle and when I've noticed that too when people are saying like oh well I have this emotional response Mm -hmm. to whatever you have you've said or done or or just being just you You, being you that's not their personal value that is their societal programming (laughs) and and when you point that out then people are like well I don't I don't want to be a sheep you know what I mean yeah and Mm -hmm. I love that the will of Mm -hmm. directing it directing your energy and your reaction your emotional reaction against the norm right as opposed against this person that's breaking the norm right yeah Yeah. I love that and there's that the piece of the again uh, as a clinical skill of like the insight again the insight building and the awareness building around I think there's two parts to it. Absolutely, the acknowledging what's coming up for what's coming up for me right now. Why am I feeling irritated or frustrated or uncomfortable or whatever about this person? Directing it at that thing, but also, also um, challenging like our own internalized pieces, right? Um, And I can even remember a time where I caught myself. reinforcing anti-black sentiments with a with a when I was a postdoc I was a the like lead postdoc or second year postdoc with with first year postdocs and we were talking about navigating the system and I caught myself telling them to act white essentially you know and I didn't I wasn't saying in those words but I was like oh this is how I do it and like I sat back later and I was like what was I doing? Where did that come from? Yeah. Like I do recognize this like internalized and and self-protective thing in the ways in which I learned to navigate the yeah. system. But why did I feel like I needed to like use this like in recognizing that it was so anti-black, it was so like conforming, it was all of these things. So there's this part of like acknowledging it, like how am I even doing those same things to myself. How am I reinforcing those narratives on myself, let alone on what I'm doing for somebody else? Absolutely, enforcing Mm -hmm. those norms. Enforcing the norms, yeah. Yeah, so that was our, our skill for today. As our final segment, we always like to end with some kind of media recommendation, something that that brings us joy that we can uh, recommend to people out in the world. And Sandy, uh, as our guest today, uh, what what do you have going on? What what sort of thing brings you joy that you might recommend to others? Well, I love 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 the show Shit's Creek, um, and, <laughs> yes. and part of that, I mean, for so many reasons, and. 
it was such a uh, such a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. that there was queerness mm-hmm. that was in a situation where there was no question, the storyline was not about how the person was queer and there was conflicts because they were queer. Right. They Mm -hmm. were put into this situation in a small town where their queerness just was and other people's queerness was and their, you know, and their clothing and their Mm -hmm. self-expression and, you know, and their, their, uh, sexual orientation as pansexual was just like, it was just a thing. It was not a part of the story that they had to overcome. Right. And like, and they, and they also didn't die, which is also cool because queer stories often, queer people often are the people who die in stories. So, um, yeah, it's just so refreshing and so humorous Mm. and honest about, you know, uh, vulnerable about, about, the things underlying these these families struggles and yeah. issues with you know having it and losing it and poverty yeah. and what that looks like yeah. um so yeah even though There's that's even though it's very yeah. centered in whiteness yeah, for yeah. sure yeah, yeah. um very much enjoyed that and it, it just felt like it like my soul just sang every time i watched it and, yeah. and just full stop it is hilarious it is hilarious hilarious yes. hilarious yes. excellent yes. And, yes. and one one nice aspect of the kind of exploration of queerness and acceptance that you're talking about is it's in a small town, which right. is very often not what you see if it's a yeah. gay show right. or queer show. Right. It's right. in a big city because that's the only place that's gay people can be accepted, where, yes. allegedly. Mm-hmm. But it really just shows kind of everyday small town people right. who yeah. they have no problem with uh, yeah. him being queer. Right. And right. So, sometimes they're like, oh, he wears interesting clothes. But right. it's never like right. putting him down. <laughs> right. It's just exactly. like, right. it, is, it is different. Right. Yeah. But, exactly. but right. they're like, okay. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, and I think it's really beautiful. It I love it. I love the show as well. I same. I I don't remember when I was introduced to it. It was after it was off, you know, off air, but I just fell in love. Fell yeah. in love with all the characters. I fell in love with the story and all of the things and and I often use and I, and I think you do too I when do. it comes to diversity like trainings and conversations the clip um when when he's talking about his sexuality and using wine yes. as as the ways in which to describe it like oh I like all all wines you know like yeah. I like white wines and red wines and rosé you know <laughs> and like this and occasionally a, a rosé that used to used be a to be Chardonnay. Chardonnay right exactly <laughs> yeah you know and I was like ah oh, this is such a beautiful way to yeah. like describe it in a in an accessible way yes. right to understand like oh okay right like when we can kind of take maybe more complex concepts and put it in everyday like you know non-values anything terms like people can understand it better and I think that like it's such a beautiful like expression of that again where it's not making it like a big thing right it just is it's a it's a conversation that happens yeah and then like it, it explains explains his sexuality and then Moves on. And also her curiosity. And her curiosity. And see his curiosity asking David about that as opposed to like (gasps) shock and horror or whatever because of their relationship and their physical, you know. And not being Life. afraid, like yeah. the curiosity, yeah. and like we talk, we've talked about this too. That like often when it comes to to questions around diversity or things, like people get stuck and don't want to ask, and then it ends up being more harmful in the end, right? right? They're so, afraid to say anything wrong, so they don't say anything. So they don't at all. say anything yeah. at all. Yeah. So the curiosity, like her curiosity, and just like so, I like yeah. red wine, right? <laughs> yeah, like only red, wine. <laughs> only red wine. Yeah. So w- one thing that um, I really appreciated about this show because it also uh, ties into a lot of 
the research I've, I've published over the years on stereotypes is so the character we're talking about, David, mm -hmm. uh, from the beginning of the show, he's very what would some researchers call coded as mm -hmm. gay. Yes. He's yeah. very fashionable, yeah. maybe has a, a, a feminine tendency or two mm -hmm. that, you know, people, they see him and they make the assumption gay right. based on stereotypes. And uh, the other character, Stevie, kind of had that assumption. And that's right. how this yes. conversation right. starts. She was like, yeah. well, I just like red wine, meaning right. she's heterosexual. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I always thought you just liked red wine, too. Right. And then he explains, no, I also like white wine. He's, yeah. He al yeah. also is attracted to women. Yeah. And then the what's the rosé line? The yeah, rosé that used I, to be a I Chardonnay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a couple summers back, I tried a Merlot that used to be a Chardonnay. Uh, which got a bit complicated. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. implying that it's a, maybe a trans or a non-binary person. And so yeah. explaining mm -hmm. what pansexual is using right. this wine analogy that yeah. you both uh, shared. But I really appreciated that because, you know, so often gay characters, queer characters, they're coded by how they act, yes. uh, but it's never kind of stated. And this show kind of took that. They were like, yeah. everyone's been assuming David's gay. Right. Here yeah, he's sure. actually explaining yeah. it. Maybe that can make you think about your assumptions. Yeah. Right. And they also have the really butch, what is it, carpenter guy. Guy right. who who yeah. is actually bisexual <laughs> right. and is sleeping with both of them. Right. <laughs> and, right. and they're just and it's just sort of like, oh yeah, that's it's not mm. a thing of like, how could he? Right. It's just sort of like, well, you know, yeah. that's uh, fun sitcom. Right. <laughs> right. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and awesome. I'm sure I'm you know, for Schitt's Creek purists out there, I really want to apologize because I'm just sure that I am getting that quote ex not precisely right. And <laughs> I, I same. know same. and I know same. as a Schitt's Creek person. <laughs> That like someone's out there going, it wasn't Chardonnay, it was Riesling. Like, right. It was like, <laughs> it's a Merlot that was once a Chardonnay. Something yeah, like that. Something I'm so, like so that. sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I, I believe Schitt's Creek is streaming on Netflix still. Yeah. Um, it, or no, our producer somewhere. is shaking his head with It's the definitely fur streaming somewhere. It's streaming uh, somewhere. <laughs> Find um, it. Find it. It oh, is currently Hulu. streaming on Hulu as of the time of this recording. Okay, um, run, don't walk. Yes. <laughs> okay, okay right. say, I'm sure you can find it on Prime. And, yeah. and in our episode description, we always put how to get the references when the episode's released. Yeah. So you will have that there. So learn more about Inequity Agents of Change at biashabit.com. Now, before we go, Sandy, do you have any socials or websites you want to share where people can get in touch with you or that yeah. nonprofit initiative you were talking about? Well, yeah, you can. My my ad is at Sandy Eichel on Instagram. My website is sandyeichel.com. And if you want to have any, if you want to be a part of the nonprofit initiative at all, you can email me through my website. Um, and Eichel is spelled E-I-C-H-E-L. That's right. Because that's not always obvious. Yeah, no, <laughs> over audio. I would have misspelled it. I'm 100%. Um, and Amber, did you want to mention uh, how people can get in contact with FUBU? Yeah. Um, so our we have an email address, which is fubu.newberg um, at gmail.com. And then you can find more information about us actually at our parent organization called Hala Mentors. H-O-L-L-A mentors um, so you can go there and read all about us nice awesome well thank you listeners and watchers uh, have a great rest of your day and go forward and joy <laughs> alright well Sandy I want to thank you for being yeah, here with thank us you so much. this is so fun 
I'm Dr. William Cox, and my co-host is Dr. Amber Nelson. Today's guest was Sandy Eichel, and produced by Eric Roman Bining, with music by Jay Arner. Diverse Joy is consumable as either an audio-only podcast or a video podcast, both accessible at diversejoy.com. Diverse Joy is the official podcast of Inequity Agents of Change, a nonprofit devoted to the dissemination of evidence-based approaches to reduce bias, create inclusion, promote equity, and enhance diversity. Or as Amber and I like to call it, all that good Jedi work. Jedi yeah. work. <laughs> uh, learn more at bias habit.com. Thank you for being with us today. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah.